Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to the 23rd episode of Tooncast, brought to you by the Geekcast Radio Network. I am your host, TFG and Mike, and today I am joined once again by Pecan Court Michael. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's going. And today we're going to be talking about the classic cat and wow, cat and mouse cartoons of Tom and Jerry. That actually says act, not cat. Oops. Act. <laughs> yeah. This is the first thing they teach you in like kindergarten. <laughs> Shut up. C A T. Shut up. At least it wasn't misspelled. I mean, it was misspelled, but at least it was yeah. another word. Anyways. Not bad enough for word to go. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, um. Is that classic act and mouse? Oh. Yeah, that's not... At least I said cat and not act. That you did. Well, yeah, I said cat, and then I said, oh, wait, that's his act. Oops. <laughs> um, I'm willing to grant you a mulligan on this one if you want to start off. <laughs> a mulligan? Okay. Is that like... Is that, yeah, I was going to say, business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I will not grant you a mulligan. Yeah. I will not do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we just had, um, this will be going up on Wednesday, uh, November 4th. We just had uh, Tooncast 22, It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, which you made your Tooncast debut on. Um, there's one slight issue with that episode, but unfortunately we're not going to go back and fix it now. Uh, it was, now you tell me. Well, it's not with your audio, it's with the... The, the, the Lucy clip, it still echoes. I forgot to give uh, Steve the um, <laughs> the replacement clip and the timestamp to replace it so everybody doesn't hear the echo. I probably should do that in the morning. Uh, this is me shaking my head reproachfully. Shut up. Hey, there's been worse episodes. Oh, yes. Yes, there's been worse episodes. So, um, so how was your Halloween? Not bad. Uh, you know, we, we had the boys dressed up as uh, uh, Luke Skywalker uh, and Yoda. Right. And and Aiden wasn't actually Luke Skywalker. He was actually Obi-Wan from the Clone Wars. But, uh, you know, he went around telling everybody he was Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and, and nobody actually questioned him on it. So that worked out in his favor. Uh, we, uh, we, you know, went around the block... And uh, that was about it. And then the rest of the night, we just had people come over, and we got a lot of compliments on the yard mm-hmm. as we decorated. And I had the uh, the fog light out and the strobe lights, and or the fog lamp and the strobe lights, and uh, all the things that sense people as they walk by and yell at them. <laughs> yeah, 
which is really neat. The stuff they have for Halloween decorations nowadays is just amazing. So Yeah, and, you're a Halloween junkie anyway. I mean, I found oh, this out about you a couple weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Halloween goes way back in my family. It was uh, my mother's birthday. So every oh, year, cool. Halloween was really big for us. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's cool. That's cool. Um, now, did you take pictures in all of the house with the lights and stuffers? What, 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 was it too dark to, to pick them up no, on camera? Uh, you know, I took pictures in the daytime. I can't really take pictures of them at night. It, they look good at night. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I found in the past that doesn't really work out so hot. You could always uh, use video. Well, so I try to take pictures of fireworks. Yeah, you know, it doesn't quite do it justice. That's true. But I do have some pictures of daylight photos, and those turned out nice. Yeah. What did you all use for decorations on the house this year? Oh, uh, you know, since we got the new siding, I don't actually put decorations on the house. We just decorate the yard. So oh, okay. I've got a goodly-sized graveyard with, uh, oh, at this point... Uh, I think maybe a dozen or so headstones, and uh, I just bought a, a third skeleton. And, yeah, and then there's a there's a haunted tree that's lighted behind that. Uh, then there's a number of other uh, things we have on the other side of the yard. I've got uh, uh, two six foot tall uh, you know, mannequins. One one's a witch uh, that I actually put a, a giant skull mask on this year. And the other one is uh, uh, another skull with a with a cowl over his head, and uh, I've got a, a well. It's a, it's probably about six foot tall. It's a it's a mummy head with a ghost body uh-huh. that lights up. Yes. It's really neat. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, we had a lot of lot of stuff, and we you know it was a good year. Yeah, uh, a um, a house down the street from my apartment complex, which my mom and I used to rent out. Um, they actually put up all kinds of decorations in their front yard and, and on their front porch, and they actually had a coffin standing up against the main bay window of the of the living room on the on the outside of the house. This wow. thing is the ugliest Halloween decoration house I've seen ever. Ugly. Yes, I mean just complete. No thought was put into this stuff. Oh, okay. It looks like they're keeping dead people there, and I don't mean fake zombie dead people or skeletons or witches <laughs> with goblin heads. I mean like they dug a six foot grave, and that's what the coffin's for. Yeah. Neat. Anyways, <laughs> that, that doesn't sound too awful. <laughs> the uh, the neighbors across the street from me had uh, a, a a coffin, and they had somebody actually laying in it. Oh and when God. people walk by, they went, wah! <laughs> you know, that's a little more dedication than I could muster. <laughs> Plus you have children, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm out there trick-or-treating with, the, with my boys. Yes, so. yes yeah, good old he, Anakin and Padme with their, <laughs> with their children. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I didn't say I was going to dress up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, it's hard to find a costume that works with glasses. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm Luke Skywalker. No, you're not. Luke Skywalker doesn't wear glasses. You're a geek in a Luke Skywalker costume. <laughs> well, so, so I don't even try anymore. Stormtrooper armor. But anyway. Oh, well. don't get me started. I would love some Stormtrooper armor. <laughs> okay. So we're going to get into the uh, the topic today, which is Tom and Jerry, and we'll be right back. 
mistake Anytime we have a date But I love her I'm gonna ask her Is she wheels or is she wait, my baby? The way you acting lately makes me down My baby, baby See my flame in your heart's done going out A woman is a creature That's always been strange Just when you're sure of one You find she's gone and made a change Is you in, is you ain't my baby Maybe baby's found somebody new My little baby, It's time for the history lesson. For episode 23, we travel back to 1940 for Tom and Jerry. It's a series of animated theatrical shorts created by William Hanna and Joseph Barbera for Metro-Goldwyn. Yeah, I'm saying that right. Goldwyn-Meyer, or Mayer, or whatever. MGM. Yeah, I know it's MGM, but yeah, whatever. That centered on a never-ending rivalry between a house cat, Tom, and a mouse, Jerry, whose chases and battles often involved comic violence. Hannah and Barbera ultimately wrote and directed 114 Tom and Jerry cartoons at the MGM Cartoon Studio in Hollywood, California, between 1940 and 1957. When the animation unit was closed, the original series is notable for having won the Academy Awards for Best Short Subject Cartoons seven times, tying it with Walt Disney's Silly Symphonies as theatrical animated series with the most Oscars. Beginning in 1960, in addition to the originals, MGM had new shorts produced by Rembrandt Films, led by Gene Deitch, I think is how his name is said, in Eastern Europe. Production of Tom and Jerry shorts returned to Hollywood under Chuck Jones's Sib Tower 12 Productions in 1963. This series lasted until 1967, making it a total of 161 shorts. The Cat and Mouse stars later resurfaced in television cartoons produced by Hanna-Barbera and Filmation Studios, during the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. A feature film, Tom and Jerry the Movie, in 1992 and released domestically in 1993. In 2000, their first made-for-TV short, Tom and Jerry the Mansion Cat, for Cartoon Network. The most recent Tom and Jerry theatrical short, The Karate Guard, was written and co-directed by co-creator Joe Barbera and debuted in Los Angeles cinemas on September 27, 2005. 
Today, Time Warner via its Turner Entertainment division owns the rights to Tom and Jerry, with Warner Brothers handling the distribution. Since the merger, Turner has produced the series Tom and Jerry Tales for the CW Saturday Morning, the CW for Kids lineup, as well as the recent Tom and Jerry short, The Karate Guard, in 2005, and a string of Tom and Jerry direct-to-video films, all in collaboration with Warner Brothers Animation. There are a total of 162 theatrical shorts starring Tom and Jerry. That's the history lesson, and we're going to move on to general memories. Um, wow. I didn't know there were that many. Is Joe Barbaris still no, alive? No, it's not. No, he's not. They're, they're, they both passed away. Well, it said that it was written and co-directed by the co-creator Joe Barbera right. in, in 2005? Yeah, he passed away, I believe, 2006 or 2007. Wow. Yep. Trying to buy his way into heaven with some Tom and Jerry. <laughs> That's a bold move, sir. <laughs> um, you know, I always, I always find it very weird to remember this show because because of it having three different, even though they're obviously the same types of shorts three different people working on them, mainly Hanna-Barbera, Gene Deitch, and Chuck Jones. I never liked the Deitch cartoons at all. Um, Just poor sound effects. I I don't know, it just... They they never really struck a chord with me. I like the Hanna-Barbera and the Chuck Jones stuff. Um, And I always thought that the Chuck Jones, Tom and Jerry's, they so reminded me of what he did on Looney Tunes because he had started on Tom and Jerry after he left Warner Brothers Animation when he created the Sib Tower 12 productions. Um, some of these episodes are extremely funny. Just some of the stuff that they're put through. Uh, and, you know, it's not always Tom winning or it's not always Jerry winning. It's it's pretty evenly matched. Sometimes they team up. Yeah, sometimes they do team up if, you know, Spike is going after both of them, and Spike was the dog. Um, Which I'm sure you'll get into later. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so are, yeah, yeah, Spike and Tyke. Uh, <laughs> droopy and, what was it, dro- Droopy and Drippy. That's what it was. Oh, wow, I'm starting to remember the Tom and Jerry kids intro. Holy crap. I should find that for this episode. Even though this is basically centering on all things Tom and Jerry, I I should find the Tom and Jerry kids intro somewhere. Tom and Jerry, you know, I'm I'm glad I never saw any of that because I I just have to slice my own wrists wide open. Well, it's it's basically along the lines of like a pup named Scooby Doo. It's it came out in the I believe the late '80s and early '90s when it was like. Okay, let's take our classic cartoon characters and show them as kids, kind of like the Flintstones kids and stuff like the that. Muppet Babies. Yeah, the, well, the Muppet After Babies. After the Muppet Babies, the Muppet Babies had like what eight seasons? Yeah, something like that. So I mean, after the after that kind of success, of course everyone's gonna put their stars in diapers <laughs> and make awful, horrible crap out of it. Well, I gotta say, Tom and Jerry Kids was was kind of funny. Because you had separate adventures. You would have a Tom and Jerry adventure, then you would have an adventure with Spike and Tyke, or uh, Droopy and Drippy. Um, anyway, uh, to digress, uh, what are your general memories of the classic Tom and Jerry cartoons? 
Well, you know, I'm old. Uh, so I remember, and this was this was a long time ago. Uh, we we would go shopping at like uh, I want to say like a Kmart because mm-hmm. this was this was before you know most other like WalMarts and stuff like that. But this was back when Kmart's were WalMarts. We'll put it that way. <laughs> and uh, you go to the Kmart, and off to the side of the entrance, they'd have a like almost like a photo booth. Like you go in and have your pictures taken, mm-hmm. except it was a cartoon booth. And you'd put, like, a dime or something in the slot, and you would sit in the photo booth, and instead of a, f- a camera in front of you, it was a little TV screen, and it would play Tom and Jerry shorts from the 1940s. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And the difference between this and what you'd see on TV is that they would show the intro. And the, the uh, what do they call that? Um, the bumps. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, so they'd show those and, and the, the entire outro. So they, I mean, you had the whole thing, as opposed to the, the chopped up version with commercials and, and whatnot edited for time that you get on television. Right, right. And I, I haven't seen one of those since you know my childhood. I don't know if they exist anymore. But I seriously you know, doubt it. Yeah, they used. To, I mean, it literally, it was like a photo booth with a big Tom and Jerry on the side. Mm. It was really neat. Uh, and you know, subsequently, those older ones uh, were always my favorite. Uh, yeah. When they, when they used to do really horrible things to each other, and they never showed any blood. It wasn't like gory or graphic, but I mean, just you know, every time uh, he smacks him upside the head with a baseball bat, or uh, uh, Jerry takes Tom's tail and, and sticks it in a waffle iron. I mean, <laughs> just horrible, horrible things to each other. Yeah. Uh, that you just. Don't, you can't really get away with nowadays. Yeah, we will talk about some of our favorite episodes in a little bit, but I actually have The Greatest Chases Volume 1 DVD, which includes such episodes, and this is from the 1940s stuff, um, Yankee Doodle Mouse, uh, Saltwater Tabby, Tea for Two, Mice Follies, The Cat Concerto, um, Zoot Cat, uh, where he's got this zoot suit on. And you, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you remember that. Dr. Yeah. Jekyll and Mr. Mouse. Um, That's my favorite. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Mouse? That's my favorite cartoon, yeah. <laughs> I should say my favorite Tom and Jerry cartoon. Yeah. I, lo- I love the special effects there. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like uh, you know, you, you can hear Nelson Chin going in the background. Oh, this is very difficult animation. There's lots of lights and flashes. and Yeah, 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 Nelson, we know. <laughs> now, now. No bashing the director of the greatest Transformers movie ever. <laughs> the only good one. <laughs> yes, let's not go there. Let's not even go there. Oh, Tom and Jerry. Yes, Tom and Jerry. Um, do you have any final, um, as far as general memories, do you have anything else to say? Uh, no, I, you know, I, what I would say is back, well, again, back when I was a young lad, uh, there wasn't a whole lot in the way of, of uh, cartoons. You know, well, you had your 80s fare, but, you know, when you're waking up in the morning uh, to go get ready to go to school, you pretty much had uh, Bozo Circus, and if you don't live in the Midwest, you're probably not sure what that is. <laughs> uh, well, you'd be surprised. A lot of people I know from California have no idea who the hell Bozo is. But uh, you'd watch, you'd get up in the morning, you'd watch Bozo, and then there'd be Tom and Jerry, and, and occasionally the Flintstones. 
Well, it's Cal- uh, it, it was California. What do you expect? They live in a bubble out there. Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Just diff- yeah, exactly. Just different television stations. Yes. Uh, yeah, Bozo was strictly Channel 9, or WGN. Uh, but, as I was saying, you know, you just didn't have a whole lot of, of, of variety there in cartoons. So, I mean, you grew up with Tom and Jerry, uh, basically because you didn't have the Cartoon Network and the Disney Channel. Yeah, or the the three Cartoon Networks and the three Disney channels that kids have nowadays. Yeah, Back then, it was like, well, you have Channel Thirty Two, which is going to play, uh, I want to say The Simpsons, <laughs> <laughs> which is going to play The Flintstones, and then uh, uh, you know Channel Nine, which is going to play you know, Bozo and uh, Tom and Jerry. So every morning, you're watching Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, now see, I always remembered these. Uh, again, this along the same lines as Looney Tunes. Pretty much the cl- all the classic Looney Tunes episodes, or I shouldn't say episodes because they're not all the classic Looney Tunes shorts, like Duck Rabbit Duck and Rabbit Fire and and, and all that stuff. Um, I always remember them running back to back with Tom and Jerry, uh, and those are my two classic cartoons that I like the most that I will laugh at the most. When I first actually have... I have three DVDs of Tom and Jerry here with me. Uh, like I said, I have The Greatest Chases, and I also have the Chuck Jones collection. It's two discs with 34 remastered theatrical shorts. And when I first got this from Target, I came home and I popped it in. You know how I always will laugh and then I'll choke myself to death? Oh, God. No, yeah. no, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that for 34... 28-minute shorts or 22-minute shorts or whatever. You know, whatever the time is on these things, I could not stop laughing. Now, the shorts were 20 minutes? I thought they were. I remember them being shorter. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I'm not really sure. Maybe we can get into that later. I don't know, but um, they seem to me like they're, they're half-hour cartoons. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not even going to say what they are and what they're not. Uh, uh, now, is that more from nostalgia that you thought that was funny, or was it genuinely like, oh my god, this is the most hilarious thing I've ever seen? It was more of like, it, it's kind of a bit of both, actually. It's kind of like, oh yeah, I remember this episode, and, you know, um, my favorite episode off the off the Tom and Jerry uh, Chuck Jones collection is The Haunted Mouse, where Jerry... I, I guess is one of his distant relatives. He, he's a magician, and he ends up hypnotizing Tom. And again, with the sound effects, especially with the Chuck Jones cartoons, you can hear the lo- not really copying the Looney Tunes sound effects, but it's that type of, of comedy. Right. Where uh, when the the magic mouse hypnotizes Tom, walks into his mouth, down to his stomach, you can hear him like to distinguish walking between different body parts of Tom. Notice like water dripping as he's walking. And then he's got keys out, and then he's unlocking the the stomach door or whatever, yeah. like the jail door. Don't actually show it, you just hear him going. Yeah, you out. just hear him, and then the next thing you see is all the birds and mice that Tom has eaten <laughs> fly out and, and, and run out of his mouth. And the, uh, and the one fish flops out and flops back into his fishbowl. Um, but just the sound effects of it, it is yeah, so... Totally the whole time. It's just so, so funny. And the camera follow. The camera is on the outside. The camera is looking at Tom. So even though the magic mouse is inside of his body, it follows the body down as the mouse is walking down. So you can see where exactly he is 
yeah. even though you can't actually see the mouse, you know what part of Tom's body he's in. It, 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 it's just so funny. And it's just like, you know, um, one scene in, in uh, Penthouse Mouse, which is the very first short on uh, the first disc. Uh, they're in this penthouse next to a construction site. With Bob and, Cuccione. Huh? Bob Cuccione. Okay, I have no idea what you're talking about. Publisher of Penthouse. Oh, okay. Anyway, we're not getting into that. Wah, wah, wah. This is not right. a triple X rated show. This is an explicit show, but it's not a triple X rated show. We're not getting into that. But anyway, um, penthouse meaning the top apartment, not Upper penthouse meaning floor. Yes. yes, exactly. So, but there's this construction site next to it, and you know Tom and Jerry they do their thing, and, and they both end up in the construction site, almost next to a. Um, a hammering device where it's going to come down on them, and they both turn white. And I, I don't know, for some odd reason, I find that extremely funny. It's one of those close call type of type of things that, you know, you see the look on Jerry's face, and he's like, he looks back at the pounding thing, and he's, he's just got like this frowny look type thing on his face. He's like, and then of course, the, and then of course it misses him. And he's like, phew, and, you know, I don't know, it's just, I, I just could not stop laughing when I got that DVD set, that, that two-disc set. I don't know, I don't know what it is. It could be nostalgia, it could be that, oh my god, that is so hilarious. I honestly don't know. All as I know is, the first day I got it and I put my DVD player, I could not stop laughing. So, we are going to be moving on to the characters segment, and the reason why I just say characters is because, um... There really were no voice actors. I mean, yeah, you had the little voices of, like, Mammy Two-Shoes and, and some of the other characters, but... We'll, oh, don't, don't even start laughing. We'll get into that later. Uh, uh, thought, yeah, as far like, as the controversy, we'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I thought the voice was coming directly from her breasts. Because oh, good Lord. The Let's... majority of the character model is this, this huge rack and... <laughs> I actually see her from from the neck up. Wow, I did not know Dawes Butler was in this show. Huh. Well, <laughs> Paul Freese, wow. Hmm. Yeah, so hey, again, Tom uh, and Jerry don't actually talk. They just kind of... They kinda make screaming noises and, and ouching yeah. noise, stuff like that. Uh, Tom's screaming noise is, you know, I... I could never really mimic that. I've never heard anybody do successfully. <laughs> You know, whenever he gets hurt, mm-hmm. or like, uh, 
oh god, there was one where where the uh, the one mouse who played the guitar like pulled his whiskers out of his face. <laughs> it's just, just the sound. He's like, oh! <laughs> yeah. And see, that's where I think a lot of these voice actors come in because you know they would do the voices for that or the or the screams for that. Now I know later on in the '60s version with the Chuck Jones collection. Mel Blanc and June Foray did all the voice characterization as far as screams and stuff like that, um, which is really, really cool. Yes, you know, where's Frank Welker when you need him? <laughs> now, now. Probably still in high school. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> um, so. Jerry, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Um. So the title characters, uh, as I said, Tom and Jerry. Tom is a blue-gray tomcat who lives a pampered life, while Jerry is a small brown house mouse who always lives in close proximity to him. Tom is a generic name for a male cat or tomcat. The Warner Brothers cartoon character Sylvester was originally called Thomas. Tom was originally called Jasper in the very first short, Puss Gets the Boot. While Jerry was named Jinx, Tom is very quick-tempered and thin-skinned. While Jerry is independent and opportunistic, Jerry also possesses surprising strength for his size, lifting items such as anvils with relative ease and withstanding considerable impacts with them. Despite being very energetic and determined, Tom is no match for Jerry's brains and wits. By the final iris out or fade out, of each cartoon, Jerry usually emerges triumphant, while Tom is shown as the loser. However, other results may be reached on rare occasions. Tom triumphs usually when Jerry becomes the aggressor or when he crosses some sort of line, the best example of which occurs in The Million Dollar Cat, where after finding out that Tom's newly acquired wealth will be taken away if he harms any animal, including a mouse, uh, Jerry torments Tom until Tom finally loses his temper and attacks him. Sometimes, usually, and ironically, they are both loose, usually when Jerry's last trap potentially backfires on him after it affects Tom. Um, you know, again, the whole cat and mouse chase is just awesome. Yeah, it does. Are you there? Because I can barely hear you. Yes, I know you're totally listening, but I can barely hear you. Uh, I don't know what to say. Okay, I can hear you now. Okay. Cause I'm, <laughs> yeah, I, I had it muted for a little while while you uh, talked about Tom. Yeah, I'm not going to read through the entire character description of them both. Um, I was waiting for you to get the sadistic tendencies. <laughs> sadistic? T- okay, well, <laughs> both characters display sadistic tendencies in which that they are equally likely to take pleasure in tormenting each other. There you go. Depending on the cartoon, whenever one character appears to be in mortal danger, uh, in dangerous situation, or by a third party, the other will develop a conscience and save him. Sometimes they bond over a mutual sentiment towards an unpleasant experience, and their attacking each other is more play than serious attacks. Multiple shorts show the two getting along with minimal difficulty, and they are more than capable of working together when the situation calls for it, usually against a third party who manages to torture and humiliate them both. <laughs> torture? Really? Come on. Yeah. No, not really. But not really. <laughs> no. It's like it's like Saw 8, Tom and Jerry, you know? <laughs> 
Oh, wow, that's right. Huh. I didn't know that, and I just watched that episode two nights ago. Uh, despite five shorts ending with, the de- with a depiction of Tom's apparent death, his demise is never permanent. He even reads about his own death in a flashback in Jerry's diary. He appears to die in explosions in Mouse Trouble, after which he is seen in heaven. And in Yankee Doodle Mouse, while in The Two Musketeers, he is guillotined off-screen. I remember that. Huh. Um, Although many supporting and minor characters speak, Tom and Jerry rarely do themselves. Tom most famously sings while wooing female cats. For example, Tom sings Louis Jordan's Is You or Is You Ain't My Baby in the 1946 short Solid Serenade. Yes, it was. No, I'm not. I could probably... Oh, wait, I have that episode on this greatest... I, I might actually be able to put that in the audio. That song definitely needs to be in the audio. Uh, yes, General <laughs> Sergeant, yes, sir. <laughs> when I say choke yourself, you choke. <laughs> Okay, let's not even go there. All right. Because you'll get me into my whole 4212 basic military journalism. What the... Joker, <laughs> let's not even go there. This is Tom and Jerry, not Full Metal Jacket. We need Arlie Ermy to come in and guest host. <laughs> oh, no. oh my God! That's right. That would be horrible. Uh, he's actually a nice guy. Yeah. No, uh, no, I'm sure he is, but just um, you know, uh, just the whole drill sergeant thing would be too much. Yeah. Let's see. One short 1956 is Blue Cat Blues is narrated by Jerry in a voiceover. Voiced by Paul Freese. Wow, huh? Paul Freese is um was the guy that replaced Peter Cullen doing Car. Oh, not aware. In uh, Night Rider. Uh, the only time I really remember Tom speaking is uh at one point his, he was wooing some girl cat and Tom said it or not Tom uh, Jerry set his tail on fire <laughs> and he says hey what's cooking. Yeah, and, that, the, and the girl cat says, "You are stupid." That was uh, um, Zoot Cat. Yeah, and I was so offended that he spoke. Like, he can't talk. <laughs> what the? I mean, you know, a little kid at the time, like, what the hell, man? <laughs> Tom doesn't talk. But you know, if Jerry had ever spoken, I I, I think I would have lost my mind. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you didn't see the 1992 movie. Oh, good uh, thing. Tom and Jerry the movie is the first and so far the only installment of the series where the famous cat and mouse duo regularly speak. Uh, as far as recurring characters, you had Spike and Tyke. I loved Spike and Tyke. Yeah. Spike and Tyke are awesome. <laughs> it's like, oh, it seriously? Reminds, it reminds me of the Kibbles and Bits dog. You know? <laughs> kibbles and Bits, Kibbles and Bits, I'm going to get me some Kibbles and Bits. And you say... Your ass is getting what's on sale. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that reminds me of that. But yeah, the great characters. Yes, they are very much so. Uh, Spike the Bulldog and his son Tyke in the 1951 Tom and Jerry short Slicked Up Pup. Uh, oh, that was the caption for the image that's in the... Yeah, I was about to say, no, I'm, I'm sure that Spike appeared before. I'm sure uh, he did too, yeah, no. Just I, as an as a antagonist to both characters. Oh yeah, Spike always appeared in... Whether he was called Spike, Killer, Butch, whatever, that that same dog appeared multiple times. Yeah. Um, 
In his attempts to catch Jerry, Tom often has to deal with the intrusions of Butch, a scruffy black alley cat who wants to... Where's the stuff about Spike and Tyke? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, hmm. Maybe it's down... I, I don't know. Anyway. Um, oh, you know what? It, it says oh, okay. uh, and Spike. Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah. Sometimes okay. killer. Black alley cat who wants to catch and eat Jerry. And Spike, sometimes billed as Killer or Butch, uh, an angry, vicious guard bulldog who tries to attack Tom for bothering his son, Tyke, sometimes called Junior, while trying to get Jerry... What are you saying now? I was going to say, sometimes he just attacks him just because he's nearby. Yeah. It seems like uh, every time you see him, except later on when he when, when they introduced Tyke, but earlier when you would see him, he would like have a doghouse and this length of chain... <laughs> he could only go as far as the chain. Yeah. You know. you know, I remember a couple episodes with Spike where Tom and Jerry were doing their thing, chasing while well, Tom was chasing Jerry, uh, and they would intrude on Spike building his doghouse. I, I remember this episode very, very vividly, <laughs> and yeah. they would always get it destroyed. And he, and he the house. And he keeps trying to build it, keeps trying to build it, moves it, moves it, moves it. When he finally does, um, I remember the scene very vividly. I don't remember from which short it's from, but uh, Jerry lures Tom into the doghouse, and Tom like closes the door. He's like, lets us his like evil cackle. I, I, I would have to, I would have to find the short. I know it's on one of these DVDs. I would have to find it. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Spike goes in and lets out an even more evil cat. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> uh, Spike spoke often using a voice and expressions performed by Billy Bletcher and later Dawes Butler. After a comedian, Jimmy Durante, Spike's coat has altered throughout the years between gray and creamy tan. The addition of Spike's son Tyke in the late 1940s led to both slight softening of Spike's character, both a slight softening of Spike's character, and a short-lived spin-off theatrical series, Spike and Tyke. Um, I I forget which one it is. I think it's the uh, Slicked Up Pup episode, or short, I should say, um, where uh, he just gives Tyke a bath. And Tom ends up getting ink all over him. Oh, He's yeah. like, "You better keep my son clean." Yeah, yeah that that was just hilarious. Uh, I don't. I don't th- by the time Tyke came along, I don't think he was still doing Jimmy Durante. I'm Jimmy, not Jimmy sure. Durante being the you know the guy with the the long nose. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, other uh, supporting characters we have Butch and Toodles Galore. As stated above, Butch is a black alley cat who also wants to catch and eat Jerry. He is the most frequent adversary of Tom. However, for most of the episodes he appears in, he is usually seen rivaling Tom over Tootles. Butch also appeared as one of Tom's pals or chums in some cartoons, where Butch is leader of Tom's buddies, who are Meathead and Topsy. Well, I didn't know their names. Um, I didn't know they had names. I didn't know they had names either. Tom changes his love interest many times. The first love interest is Shiki and speaks in a high, haughty tone in Zoot Cat and calls him Tommy, and the mouse comes to dinner. Uh, the second and most frequent love interest of Tom's is Toodles Galore, who never actually has any dialogue in Tom and Jerry cartoons. Just kind of blinks and looks yep. very cheesecake-ish. Yes, very much so. 
I, I'm trying to remember if, if Shiki is the uh, the short one. The I'm not sure. I don't remember. I seem to remember there being a short love interest cat that he kept trying to bring candy to or something. Yeah. Um, there have been actually many. There was actually an episode um, where Tom fall. I, t- I believe Tom falls in love uh, uh, with uh, with Toodles, and uh, and he stops chasing Jerry, and Jerry gets jealous because Jerry wants him to chase him. <laughs> Can't now, have it both ways. Yeah, I'm not even gonna even <laughs> say what I just thought in my head. But anyway, um, yeah. yeah, I'm not even gonna go there. Uh, yeah, please don't. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but anyway, um, <laughs> oh you, were th- you were thinking something completely different than yeah, yeah, I'll tell you off air once we finish. No, I but, think I uh, get it. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, where the hell was I going with this? Uh, we were uh, closing out. Uh, yeah, I know we we're closing out Toodles and Toodles and uh, and Butch. The hell gives people names like Toodles Galore. Well, I'm sure it was awful. I'm sure it was a takeoff of Pussy Galore. I I, I think that uh, 1946 predates. Uh, oh yeah, the oops. James Bond episode. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Shut up. <laughs> um, other supporting characters we have: Mammy Two Shoes, the owner of Tom, who made many appearances in the 1940s. In early 1950s, Tom and Jerry Shorts, as seen in 1947's Old Rockin' Chair Tom. Over the years, Tom and Jerry cartoons featuring Mammy have been edited, modified, or withheld from broadcast in various ways. From the beginning, Tom also has to deal with Mammy Two-Shoes, voiced by Lillian Randolph, a stereotyped African-American domestic housemaid. In the earliest shorts, Mammy is depicted as the maid taking care of the often opulent home in which Tom and Jerry reside. Later, Tom and Jerry Shorts are set in what appears to be Mammy's own house. Her face is never seen, with the exception of 1950's Saturday Evening Puss, in which her face is very briefly seen as she runs towards the camera. She usually wallops the cat with a broom when he misbehaves. What were you going to say? Uh, I didn't realize that they ever showed her face. I mean, yeah. like, like I said, she has this uh, ample bosom that uh, you normally <laughs> only see when she's talking. Yes. When Mammy was not present, other humans would sometimes be seen, usually from the neck down as well. Mammy would appear in many cartoons until 1952's uh, Push Button Kitty. Later cartoons would instead show Tom and Jerry living with a 1950s yuppie-style couple. Soon after, virtually all humans in the series had visible faces. Yeah, they totally ruined it. Yeah. I, I think that was part of the magic of the original shorts. Yeah. Where, um... Yes, they do have owner. Well, Tom has has an owner, but yeah. um, but you never actually see who the owner is. Right. Um, and I think well, you know the focus is supposed to be on these two main characters, not the owner. So right. And and I, and I think that's what they were going for there. This would be slightly akin to uh, you know, you've got the the grown ups in in the Peanuts cartoons, wah 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 wah, and you know. 15 years later, oh, we're going to make some new Peanuts cartoons, and oh, here's an adult, and you can see their face, and they're talking, and they're like, hey, Charlie Brown. I mean, it, it's just not the same. No, not at all. It kind of loses something. Yes, it does. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't care what um, what this wiki thing says, I will always call the little mouse nibbles. 
Nibbles is a mouse who is close to Jerry. He is sometimes poses as Jerry's nephew. In many episodes, Nibbles is seen eating a lot. He is always hungry. In his first appearance, he was left on Jerry's doorstep, being abandoned by his parents because he eats too much. Nibbles appears frequently with Jerry. When he does, Tom enjoys chasing him as he does with Jerry. Strangely, in Tom and Jerry, The Magic Ring, Nibbles once again called... Or, well, I need to say it now. Tuffy once again called Nibbles' random mouse in a pet shop that Jerry doesn't even know. Um, I like Nibbles because he's a good addition to the comedy part of it. <laughs> no! Oliver. Hello, Cousin <laughs> Oliver. We're jumping the shark. <laughs> Come on now. Um, my, my favorite was uh, uh, my favorite Nibbles uh, besides the original where he's eating too much because he's a hungry baby but mm-hmm. uh, was in uh, the Three Musketeers episode yep. where he's actually done up as a musketeer speaking French yep. which I thought was awesome the other one I like is the Robin Hood episode where he gets drunk I so don't remember that one. You don't remember the Robin Hood episode? No. The one I remember the most, only because it really has to do with Thanksgiving, and of course we are in November and Thanksgiving is coming up, is the little orphan where he is left on Jerry's uh, doorstep and they end up um, climbing up to the table where this big Thanksgiving feast is and Tom takes this broom and puts it over his head to make himself look like an Indian and he's making these all like Indian noises like, oh, 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 and all that oh. stuff. Yeah, that was the little orphan. I I remember that short very very well. I I like that one. That's really. I guess you had. To, I guess you had to see no, it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen them. Yeah. I, I want to say I've seen them all, but honestly, <laughs> I I haven't. That's <laughs> just the older ones. Um, and then uh, finally for the supporting characters that I have listed here is Quacker. Another <laughs> another recurring character in the series was Little Quacker. The Duckling, who is later adopted into Hanna-Barbera character Yaki Doodle. He appears in Little Quacker, The Duck Doctor, Just Ducky, Downhardened Duckling, Southbound Duckling, That's My Mommy, Happy Go Ducky, and The Vanishing Duck. Quacker talks a lot compared to Tom and Jerry. In many episodes, he is the only one who speaks. The last recurring character is a small, unnamed green devil that looks like Tom but is the size of Jerry. He only appears in three episodes, Springtime for Thomas, Smitten Kitten, and Suffering Cats. Whenever Tom falls in love with a female cat, the devil advises Jerry to try to break the two apart in Springtime for Thomas, in Smitten Kitten, and in Suffering Cats. When Tom and Meathead plan to split Jerry in half with an axe, he advises Tom to instead chop Meathead's skull open and keep Jerry for himself. Um, yeah, we, we completely passed over uh, my favorite line from Quacker. Uh, that's my mommy. Uh, no, I think it's from the same episode where he says, uh, "Oh my, a swimming pool!" Or, "Oh boy, oh boy, a swimming pool." <laughs> he says it like over and over and over again. Oh, I actually got really sick of Quacker in the Easter episode where somebody sends him to Tom and Jerry. Happy Easter! Happy Easter! Happy Easter! Happy Easter! <laughs> yeah, I got sick of him really quick. Yeah. But, on the flip side of that, when he became Yaki, I actually liked him. I, I don't remember him being Yaki. Well, he was. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, we have a lot of uncredited people as voice actors, uh, and I'm sure a lot of the people um, did actually do, like, the, you know... 
the screams and and stuff like that. Um, you had Tex Avery, Joseph Barbera, Billy Bletcher, uh, Dawes Butler, Red Coffee, who played Red Coffee. Wow. Ugh, I wouldn't want to drink that. Red Coffee? Ew, that's a horrible name. To <laughs> maybe, his, maybe his name was Red. Maybe I, he had red um, hair. I don't know. Anyway, um... <laughs> Careful. Coffee's hot. June Foray, Stan Freeberg, Paul Fries. I'm just going down the list seeing which ones I recognize. William Hanna, Don Messick. Um, just a bunch of the classic, uh, uh, you know, Warner Brothers directors and writers and stuff that, that eventually came over to MGM. Uh, also that is listed here as a voice, which is uncredited, is Tex Ritter, who is the fa- who was the father of John Ritter, who unfortunately are now uh, not with us anymore. Um, we really can't go into the part where we talk about our favorite voice actors, because as we said before, there really are no voice actors for this show. It's, it's kind of weird. It's much like the Looney Tunes episode where... I basically had to say the voice actor segment instead of voice actors because obviously Mel Blanc did the majority for the majority of the Looney Tunes run. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There really isn't... I, I mean, honestly, there. I mean, what, what can we say about voice actors where there clearly were no visual talking voice actors for the most part? I mean, well, you know, you had the, the, the sounds and the, yeah. the Mel Blanc stuff. Yeah. Other than that, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they saved a lot of money on voice acting. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, so going into the uh, behind-the-scenes segment, uh, history and evolution. Now, I'm not going to read through all this. I'm going to read a couple paragraphs from each segment, um, or each part. Uh, Tom and Jerry creators slash directors William Hanna and Joseph Barbera with the seven uh, Academy Awards for Best Short Subject Cartoons uh, they're Tom. Oh, the that, captions again. Sure. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> William Hanna and Joseph Barbera were both part of the Rudolph Ising unit at the MGM Cartoon Studio in the late 1930s. Barbera, a story man and character designer, was paired with Hanna, an experienced director, to start directing films for the Ising unit. The first of these was a cat and mouse cartoon called Puss Gets the Boot. Uh, completed in late 1939 and released to theaters on February 10th, 1940. Puss Gets the Boot centers in, on Jasper, a gray tabby cat, trying to catch an unnamed rodent, but after accidentally breaking a houseplant in its stand, the African-American housemaid, Mammy, later Tom's owner, has threatened to throw ja- thrown Jasper out. I remember, th- I remember seeing that. Yeah. I remember seeing that now. Um... Tom's physical appearance uh, evolved significantly over the years. During the early 1940s, Tom had excessive detail, shaggy fur, numerous facial wrinkles, and multiple eyebrow markings, all of which were streamlined into a more workable form by the end of the 1940s and looked like a realistic cat. In addition, from his uh, quadrupedal beginnings, Tom became... Increasingly shut up. Increasingly shut up. (laughs) Shut the hell up. Increasingly and eventually almost exclusively bipedal. Shut up. (laughs) Just shut up. This is the first time I'm actually going to uh, have to use this on Tooncast in a very, very, 
very long time. You smug son of a. Anyway. Um, That's my favorite. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was. I used to hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, even though the theme of each short is virtually the same, Cat Chases Mouse, Hannah and Barbara found endless variations on that theme. Barbara's storyboards and rough layouts and designs uh, combined with Hannah's timing resulted in MGM's most popular and successful cartoon series. Thirteen entries in the Tom and Jerry series, including Puss Gets the Boot, were nominated for an Academy Award for Best Short Subject Cartoons. Seven of them went on to win the Academy Award, breaking the Disney Studios' winning streak in that category. Tom and Jerry won more Academy Awards than any other character-based theatrical animation series. I'm wondering, that far back, you know, in the 40s, how many other, you know, uh, besides Disney stuff, but how many other animated shorts were really available to be nominated? Well, you had all the Looney Tunes stuff. Oh yeah, I get yeah, I guess. So, so that started in the thirties. Yeah, so you'd have your Warner Brothers stuff and your and then your and your Tom and Jerry stuff and then your Disney stuff. We will get into the Warner Brothers MGM battle in a little bit, um, because I'm trying to think when did Cat Concerto come out? There was like a three year gap. I believe Tex Avery had worked on um the Bugs Bunny version of the Cat Concerto cartoon. And then when he left and gone to MGM, he put Tom and Jerry in that exact same situation where Bugs Bunny's on the stage playing this this number and this ditty, and there's this little unnamed mouse that's that's just bothering the heck out of him. And then later on in the Cat Concerto, it's Tom doing the exact same thing with with Jerry being you know uh, being bothered and then getting back at Tom. Actually, going to take part of the cat concerto. I may actually make that the outro. I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided yet. I'll I'll work on it. I've got two days. Um, <laughs> again, we are recording this Monday. It will air on Wednesday. Uh, Tom and Jerry remained popular throughout their original theatrical run, even when the budgets began to tighten somewhat in the 1950s. And the in the pace of the short slowed slightly. However, after television became popular in the 1950s, box office revenues decreased for the theatrical films and short subjects. At first, MGM combated this by going to all CinemaScope production on the series. After MGM realized that their re-releases of the older shorts brought in just as much revenue as the new films, the studio executives decided, much to the surprise of the staff, to close the animation studio. The MGM studio, cartoon studio was shut down in 1957, and the final of the 114 uh, Hannah and Barbara Tom and Jerry shorts, Toot or Tot Watchers, was released on August 1st. First, first, what the hell? I can't talk today. <laughs> I can see that being a problem. Yes, uh, I can't talk with a lift. <laughs> uh, August 1st, 1958, Hannah and Barbara established their own television animation studio, Hannah. Barbera Productions in 1957, which went on to produce famous TV shows and movies. Which would go on to plague us throughout the 70s. Now, now. <laughs> um, the Gene Deitch era. Uh, these oh, two years of it. Yeah, exactly. These cartoons, I think there's only one cartoon that I actually like from this era, and that's the one that you see the picture of there with uh, Tom with the chef's hat. High stakes. Um, yeah. 
This was Tom was owned by some country gunfighter type of guy. He was again one of those characters. I don't know if you actually saw, you might have seen his face once or twice in the cartoon. I'm not really sure, but um, yeah, I I that's the only uh, Deitch era cartoon that I will actually um, admit to liking. Um, and as far as the um, all the the credits in that era, I don't recognize anybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm really wondering how he ended up with the rights to Tom and Jerry. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, Gene Deitch directed a total of 13 Tom and Jerry shorts in his studio uh, in Czechoslovakia. Wow. In 1960, MDM decided to produce new Tom and Jerry shorts, and head producer William L. Snyder arranged with Czech-based animation director Gene Deitch and his studio, Rembrandt Films, to make a f- make film the films overseas in Prague, Czechoslovakia. Just cheaper, I guess? Probably. Uh, it's a good thing they didn't talk, because they'd all be speaking Slavic. Oh, good lord. Uh, I know. Yeah. Uh, Deitch states that being a member of the UPA has always had a personal dislike of Tom and Jerry, citing them as the primary bad example of senseless violence. Humor based on pain, attack, and revenge, to say nothing of the tasteless use of headless black woman stereotype house servant. Uh, members of Deitch's newly formed team included William L. Snyder, the producer, uh, Stefan Konczek? Konczek? Yeah, some. Stefan Konczek? Yeah, I don't know. Very Slavic. Yeah, so you can't. Yeah, you can't. I'm, I'm not even going to finish. Um, no, seriously. <laughs> say, I mean, the Deitch, yeah, the, the Deitch era is basically an insult to Hanna Barbera's Tom and Jerry. And I it, didn't even like the, the property. I don't. I know exactly. That's the same thing with um, what's his name? Uh, that asshole that created uh, Ren and Stimpy. Uh, well, crap. John, John Kazgergrinsky or whatever the fuck his name is, the one that pretty much uh, dissed Tiny Toon Adventures saying it's a poor, cheap knockoff of Looney Tunes. Dumb fucking bastard. That's why, fu- that's why fucking Ren and Stimpy will never be covered on this fucking show because of that. Oh, no, Ren and Stimpy is a great comedy. Ren and Stimpy is, is Beavis and Butthead on steroids. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's not to say Beavis and Butthead didn't do steroids, but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving yes. right along the Chuck uh, Jones era. Yeah, uh, the Chuck Jones era, 1963 to 1967. Uh, this, I rec- obviously, because I have the Chuck Jones correct uh, correction collection, uh, a lot of these people I recognize from being with Chuck at Warner Brothers, namely um, Ben Washam was an animator. Uh, let's see. Michael Maltese was his writer at... Um, at uh, Warner Brothers for Looney Tunes. Bob Ogle. Yes. Uh, so, after the last of the... No, there we go. Six to eight minutes per short. That's oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I don't know what the heck I was thinking 22 minutes. I, I, I honestly don't know. Well, that's roughly about how long a half-hour show would, would run, but they would... Uh, well, including commercials, but uh, they they would show, you know... Three or four shorts. Yeah, see that. Four or five shorts. Yeah, see that's the thing. When I would catch it like on Boomerang and stuff, it would be for like a half hour, twenty-two minutes, and it would be like six or seven shorts. Yeah. Um, and then now that I have the DVDs, it, you know, it because I watch, 
I'm a play-all type of guy. I'm not one that watches individual episodes. I want to watch them all, for the most part. Uh, after the last of the Deitch cartoons were released, Jones, who had been fired from his 30-plus year tenure at Warner Brothers Cartoons, stated he started his own animation studio, Sib Tower 12 Productions, with partner Les Goldman. Beginning in 1963, Jones and Goldman went on to produce 34 more Tom and Jerry shorts, all of which carried Jones's distinctive style and slight psychedelic influence. However, despite being animated by essentially the same artists who worked with Jones at Warner's, these new shorts had varying degrees of critical success. Jones had trouble adapting his style to Tom and Jerry's brand of humor, and a number of the cartoons favored poses, personality, and style over storyline. The characters underwent a slight uh, change of appearance. Tom was given a thicker Boris Karloff like eyebrows resembling Jones's Grinch or Count Blood Count uh, in a less complex look, including the color of his fur becoming gray. Sharper ears, a furrier cheeks, uh, while Jerry was given larger eyes and ears, a lighter brown color, and a sweeter Porky Pig-like expression. Uh, I gotta say, there are some cartoons within these 34 cartoons on this two-disc set where... Jerry does this, like, evil grin. That's not Porky Pig-like at all. Sorry about your luck. That's more like a Daffy Duck type of thing. Okay. No, it it just is. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It just is. Um, Some of Jones's Tom and Jerry cartoons are reminiscent of his work with Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner, including the uses of blackout gags and the gags involving characters falling from high places. Jones co-directed the majority of the shorts with layout artist Maurice Noble. The remaining shorts were directed by Abe Levito and Ben Washam, with Tom Ray directing two shorts built around footage from earlier Tom and Jerry cartoons, directed by Hanna-Barbera. Various vocal characteristics were made by Mel Blanc and June Foray. MGM finally ended production on Tom and Jerry in 1967, by which time Sib Tower 12 had become MGM animation Slash visual arts and Jones had moved on television special moved on to television specials and the feature film The Phantom Tollbooth. Uh, beginning in 1965, Hanna Barbera Tom and Jerry cartoons began to appear on television. In heavily edited form, the Jones team was required to take the cartoons featuring Mammy Two Shoes and Rotoscope her out. Oof. That sounds like it hurts. That sounds like something that you just don't want to be on the ass end of. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> For some odd reason... Uh, That's a, pardon the pun. <laughs> For some odd reason, uh, Cartman's anal probe comes to mind. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't There's a satellite coming out of my ass. <laughs> No, no, no. Most of the time, she was replaced with a similarly fat white Irish woman, occasionally, as in Saturday Evening Puss. A thin white teenager took her place instead, with both characters voiced by June Foray. However, in more recent local telecasts of the cartoons, in the versions shown on Boomerang, a mammy could once again be seen more recently, with new, less stereotypical black voice supplied, which is done by Thea Vidali. Or Vidal or whatever, I don't know. It's like that chick over the E and the N over the N. 
Uh, it's a Jeff Dunham reference. Anyway, debuting on CBS Saturday morning schedule September 25th, 1965, Tom and Jerry moved to CBS Sundays two years later and remained there until September 17th, 1972. Um, there's a lot of history here, so I'm just actually, as, as much as I want to, um, you know, go into, well, I'll, I'll go into the new owners. I'll go into the new owners, but I'm going to basically cut out the the uh, outside the United States because I'm sorry, countries outside the United States. I've found in the last few episodes of Tooncast butcher my favorite cartoons, so I am not going to be mentioning that. Tom and Jerry's new owners in 1986. Tom MGM was purchased by WTP WTBS. Founder Ted Turner. Turner sold the company a short while later, but retained MGM's pre-1986 film library. Thus, Tom and Jerry became the property of Turner Entertainment, where the rights stand today via Warner Brothers, and have subsequent years appeared on Turner-run stations such as TBS, TNT, Cartoon Network, Boomerang, and Turner Classic Movies. Hmm. As far as the controversy... Like a number of other animated cartoons in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, Tom and Jerry was not considered politically correct in later years. There are at least 24 cartoons that featured either racism or with characters shown in blackface following an explosion. Okay, now, I have to dispute this. I'm not saying that it's not politically correct. I'm saying when I see an explosion and then a blackface, whether it's in a cartoon or a live-action film or whatever, I see that as you got gunpowder all over your face, not that they're trying to... (laughs) No, seriously! I mean, come on! Your head got blown up, but somehow your ears are now in cornrows with little bows. Okay, well... I'm not sure how that happens when your head explodes, but... uh, Well, alright, but, you know, come on. I, I can understand how it would be seen as racist, but at the same time, I don't like the idea of going back and redacting, uh, you know, our... our, our uh, heritage. Well, not, it's not heritage. Well, I'm just well, that, well you know, we heritage. Have, we have, it's not even great works, you know, but, but, you know, what it comes down to is we're going back and, and redacting our history uh, to the point where, you know, school children aren't even allowed to read Huckleberry Finn anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I just I I, I I would say hey if you find that offensive don't watch it yeah. or don't read it yeah. uh, but don't don't expect uh, the rest of us to uh, delete it out of history uh, out of the historical record because it bothers you now uh, you know another 50 years from now well 50 years ago that was accepted uh, 50 years from now people are going to look back and say whatever happened to all that stuff well exactly you know, they, they made them delete it all in, in the in the in late 1990s and 2000. And see, alright, in an age of the internet, in an age of, you know, Pam and Tommy Lee or Pam and Kid Rock sex tapes, I mean, come on. There is more stuff to be censored or cut out than a blackface gag from a Tom and Jerry short or a Looney Tunes short. Give me a fucking break. Well, you know, I... I can kind of understand Mammy Two Shoes. Okay, I, all right. I will. I will. Okay, that that's fine. I'm not. I'm not arguing that at all. I'm just Here saying. I am defending it, saying, "Whoa, we can't. We we can't go back and and uh, retroactively censor 
of cartoons, but here I am saying, oh, well, you know, Mammy Tushy, Jesus. I mean, you know, she's like, All right, but, you know, oh, okay. she's really bad. Okay, take, <laughs> take the Mammy Tushy's thing with the fact that she was originally a black maid supposedly serving this this opulent people that, that live, or, or these, these rich people that live in this opulent house. How is that any different from, and I... I mean no disrespect to the film that I'm about to bring up because I love the film. How is that any different from uh, fucking Forrest Gump when uh, Bubba's mama gets Bubba's share of the money and she actually hired a maid herself and she didn't have to be a maid anymore? How is that different now? Now, granted, of course, we're in 2009. Forrest Gump came out in 1994. 1994 was one of the years of censorship as far as anything and everything. But, I mean, how is that any different? I, I, I understand for the time that Tom and Jerry were originally out, that's fine. But as of today, okay, how is it any different between Tom and Jerry's Mammy and the Forrest Gump scene? I mean, give me a break. Well, because Mammy spoke like, oh jeez, I mean, I can't even, I can't even. Yeah, and I, I know how she spoke. I've seen. Yeah, her, I mean, it's so over the top. Yeah, that, that you couldn't get away with that. I mean, honestly, you'd be, you couldn't get away with that now. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I can understand, uh, uh, later on how they would replace her voice with. Uh, you know, a, a less stereotypical voice where they where they say, you know, we we're still going to use a you know a black female voice, but not not you know 1940s yeah. uh, housekeeper voice. Um, you know, barely barely English. Well, oh, okay. In 2006, United Kingdom Channel Boomerang made plans to edit Tom and Jerry cartoons being aired in the UK where the characters were seen to be smoking in a manner that was condoned, acceptable, or glamorized. The fall, this followed a complaint from a viewer that the cartoons were not appropriate for younger viewers. As a subsequent investigation by UK media watching Ofcom, whatever that is, it has also stake, uh, taken the US approach by editing out blackface gags, though this seems to be random and not all scenes of this type are cut. While mid-1990s efforts to update the historic cartoons may be seen as a way to make the cartoons more suitable for the times, editing the original cartoons has become just as controversial, in the regard that it diminishes the original artistic piece in which made the cartoons popular. While the dialogue of Mammy Two Shoes is viewed as racist and stereotypical by today's standards, it was also voiced by Lillian Randolph, one of the few African-American performers at the time who was employed in the entertainment industry. The new voiceovers for Mammy capture uh, much of the dialogue tone of Randolph, but it also erases Randolph's artistic contribution to the series. Redoing the voiceovers also has caught uh, attention because it draws negative notice to the controversy and creates more issues. Now that I can agree with. Yeah, that makes sense, but I think that if they change things, again, retroactive censoring, mm. or if, if they overdub it, uh, the original should be made freely available, like on the internet, where you can still find it. Well, see, that's the thing. I and it it specifically says on on the Tom and Jerry Chuck Jones collection on the back of it. It says, like, 
on the very back, underneath the special features, it says, Tom and Jerry, the Chuck Jones collection is intended for the adult collector and may not be suitable for children. Okay, now, now come on. What, what adult is going to show these cards? I mean, okay, some of the stuff is funny and kids might get it, but seriously. You're going to show uh, Barney to your three-year-old before you show them Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Maybe, possibly. That's that's debatable, fucking purple dinosaur. I don't know, I've, I've met people that have, uh, you know, shown Meet the Feebles to small children. And, okay. You know, they should probably be burned at the stake, but... Okay. All righty then. <laughs> Moving. Did you ever see Meet the Feebles? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, it was a, it was an early uh, uh, Peter Jackson movie. Okay, well, yeah, I'm I'm not a follower of the Rings. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> this was long before Rings. This was back when you could barely make enough. One money gun on. will kill all the ring bearers. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> Stop it. Yes, exactly. You're gonna get hate mail now. Uh, what More so what than mail? Hell, <laughs> even happy to get mail. Yeah, exactly. What mail? Um, <laughs> you realize we're on page 17 of 28 uh, Yeah I know I'm actually going We're actually going to go into the actual show now uh, The plots of each short Usually centered on Tom's numerous attempts To capture Jerry And the mayhem and destruction that ensues Since Tom really attempts to eat Jerry Because the pair actually seem to get along In some cartoon shorts It is unclear why Tom chases Jerry so much some reasons given may include normal feline slash murine amidity. What the hell? I mean, what? who is this written by? Uh, on Wiki. A Wiki. All right. Yeah. yeah Duty right, so of his owner and Jerry's attempt at running a task that Tom is entrusted with. Uh, Jerry eating Tom's master's food, which Tom has been entrusted with safeguarding revenge. Uh, Jerry saving other potential prey, such as ducks, canaries, or goldfish, from being eaten. Basically, it's the classic cat and mouse chase mixed in with uh, eggs, eggs, dynamite, guns, rakes, uh, shovels, hoses, you know... All that stuff. This is really well. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's like before. I'm just beating you up with a baseball bat. Now I'm giving you an enema. So well, take this. Hose. Okay. Well, there was an episode on the second disc of the Chuck Jones collection. I believe it's the last episode. I don't actually know what the title is off the top of my head because it doesn't actually say on the actual outer box. But um, there was a short that uh, it. Um, had Tom hooked up a hose underneath the fishbowl and he was going to go down to the basement and inhale the water from the fishbowl to get the fish sucked through the hose. Well, Jerry orders a giant shark from the pet shop and it shows the shark going through the hose. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um... What are some of your... I know you said... Um, what was that one episode you said you liked? Um, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Mouse. What are some of your other favorite shorts from Tom and Jerry? You know, uh, a lot of them just kind of blur together. Yeah. Uh, but that one in particular I remember very fondly. Uh, the one where... Uh, you know, 
uh, Jerry's cousin with the with the derby comes over in the sweater. Oh yeah, and he, muscles. Yeah, and he, yeah, muscles comes over and just, yeah, I remember that one. Uh, the other one with the I don't know if it was a cousin or what, but it was the one that played the guitar. And and he would break a guitar string and he'd be like, Oh yeah, right. I remember yeah. that. Oh crap, what is singing the fiddle out crambone? Yeah, um, Froggy got a. Froggy went a court and he did ride. Yeah, no, that's an actual song. Yeah, yeah that was uh, Froggy went a court and Jerry was his nephew. That was uh, Uncle Pecos. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he would always uh, where's where's that cat at? And he would always pull a whisker. Can't sing without a string. Yeah, can't sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and his whole face like contorts, like ah, it's, and the whisker won't quite come out, and it snaps. That's funny. Yeah. Funny, funny stuff. And then at the very, very end, he's on TV, and yeah. it snaps, and he reaches right through. <laughs> they basically break the fourth wall. He reaches right through the TV, because Tom is sitting there laughing, saying, ah, you can't get... He doesn't actually say this, but he's like... He's got, he's got one whisker left. Yeah, he's like, ah, and, the, and uh, Uncle Pecos reaches through the TV and pops it off of him. Uh, one yeah. of the reasons Haunted... One of the reasons The Haunted Mouse is one of my most favorite from the Chuck Jones era is because at the end it has all different ways of saying end and the music matches it. And I will actually be, that will actually be the last part of the outro that I use. I will put in some of the other audio that we've mentioned um, in between, like, you know, I'll mix it up between the intro and the outro, but um, I really like that. That, you know, that was really cool. I don't know why I like Haunted Mouse so much. I think it's just like, it's one of those cartoons, even though it's not actually Jerry, it's his magician cousin or whatever, yeah. magician clone or whatever. It's the fact that they are getting one up on Tom. And I always like the fact when Jerry can get one up on Tom. <laughs> well, it seems like Tom always, I don't want to say always loses, but and especially in the earlier ones, he's more the antagonist. Oh. And... You know, he's it, as such. He has to be put in his place. Yes, very much so. Uh, so we are going to be moving on to the music segment. Um, the theme for this show never really changed. It's pretty much the same um, throughout the entire, uh, uh, you know, two runs. Because I'm not mentioning the Deitch era, but the 1940s and then the Chuck Jones from, from 63 to 67. The intro-outro general music. It's kind of like a Looney Tunes thing where it's the same in each cartoon, but uh, I did look at some of the credits on the Greatest Chases thing and also on the Chuck Jones collection. The main person that did the music in the Hanna-Barbera era was Scott Bradley, and the Chuck Jones era was Eugene Podnanny or Poddanny or I, I don't know how to... I don't, I don't know. Not familiar. Yeah, not at all. Um, but this, just like Looney Tunes, the music matched the scene. They basically wrote the music to, you know, to the gags, pretty much. Like I was saying earlier with The Haunted Mouse, you could hear different types of music as he's going down into Tom's stomach and different types of sound effects. <coughs> I'm dying over here. Yeah, you're going to be all right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Actually trying not to cough because I can't mute the webcam mic. <laughs> And we all know how my how how much you hate that. So I, I do. So learn to use mute. Yes, there is no. I got my. I, I've been hacking up along over here, and you know, <laughs> you know, 
I got my water bottle, and I'm just going to town, and nobody knows because... <laughs> well, you, now they know, you just the told them. Well, anyways, you know, it, it, this is part of the magic of podcasting that people should... Yes, watch. exactly. Um, going into the legacy segment, uh, the reception for this show... In January 2009, IGN named Tom and Jerry as the 66th best in the top 100 animated TV shows. In an interview found on the DVD releases, several Mad TV cast members stated that Tom and Jerry is one of their biggest influences for slapstick comedy. Well, you know, Mad TV is kind of irrelevant nowadays, seeing as how it's canceled. Oh, but it was awesome in its day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did not, I mean, I knew that there was some stuff, but I didn't know there was this much as far as comics and video games. Tom and Jerry began appearing in comic books in 1942 as one of the features in Our, Our Gang Comics in 1949 with MGM's live-action Our Gang shorts having ceased productions five years earlier. The series was renamed Tom and Jerry Comics. The pair continued to appear in various books for the rest of the 20th century. The pair have also appeared in numerous uh, in a number of video games as well spanning title for systems from the Nintendo Entertainment System, the Super NES, Nintendo 64, to more recent entries for PlayStation 2, Xbox, and Nintendo GameCube. Doesn't it, it, I couldn't actually find a list of the actual games, but um, as far as the feature films, now this is a very... I'm probably just going to list some of these. I'm not going to actually read all of this copy that's in here. I'm probably going to mention the Tom and Jerry movie, and then I'm going to go down to the home media stuff. Actually, I'll probably skip all the way down to the filmography. Um, so, uh, I would say that if anyone's really interested, you could actually probably go out and get these on Netflix. Yeah, maybe. October 1st, uh, October 1st, 2092, yeah, right. October 1st, <laughs> 1992, saw the first international release of Tom and Jerry the movie. When the film was released overseas to theaters in Europe of that year, and then domestically by Miramax Films, July 30th, 1993. Joseph Barbera, co-creator of the characters, served as the creative consultant for the picture, which was produced and directed by Phil Ronan. A musical film with a structure similar to Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's blockbusters The Wizard of Oz and Singing in the Rain, the movie was criticized by reviewers and audiences alike for being predictable and forgiving the pair dialogue and songs through the entire movie. As a result, it failed at the box office. Oh, God, they sang? I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen that movie in so long, and I probably won't. Ah, epic fail. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let me see here. In 1988, the duo were lined up to appear in the Oscar-winning Touchstone Amblin Entertainment film Who Framed Roger Rabbit, a homage to the classic American animation. But their inclusion in the film was scrapped due to legal complications. Boo! Uh, it seemed like everybody else showed up. Maybe, um, maybe they'll show up in the Roger Rabbit sequel. <laughs> uh, they rumored. Yeah. Well, it, I, I, I think it's stewing. It's more than a rumor. It's actually stewing now. Actually, I could probably do without uh, Bob Hoskins. So. Well, now, I mean. He was, well, he was okay you know, in the original. He wasn't... Nah, well, they kind of put him in there because nobody else would do it, and then... And then All right, we're not going to get into that, but... Well, yeah, we're not going to get into that. But anyway, how can you do without Mario? But anyway, um... <laughs> anyways... Well, speaking of Mario, we have to... Uh, a moment of silence, please, for the departure of... Uh, Captain, Captain Lou Albano. Yeah, I... I uh-huh. 
Uh, no, Captain Let's do the Mario. No, we're da, da, no, da, we're not doing no, 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 not doing the Mario. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, yes, um, I I believe I mentioned that a couple episodes ago. I'm not really sure if I did or not, but uh, uh, as far as the home moody, oh, home moodya, home media. Moody. Oh, no. You're booting people from home. Mm, no. You keep that ass in your pants, sir. <laughs> oh God. Nobody wants to see that. Oh, no, not mooning. I said moodya, not media. Moodya. Yeah. Oh, media, okay. not moon. Get your dirty mind from the gutter. No. Anyways, there have been several Tom and Jerry DVDs released in Region 1 in the United States uh, and Canada, including the series of two-disc sets known as the Tom and Jerry Spotlight Collection. There have been negative responses to Volume 1 and Volume 2 due to some of the cartoons included in each having cuts and redubbed Mammy Two-Shoes dialogue. A replacement program offering uncut versions of the shorts on DVD was later uh, announced, there are also negative responses to Volume 3 due to mouse cleaning and Casanova Cat being excluded from these sets, um, and his Mouse Friday having an extremely zooming in towards the end. There have been two Tom and Jerry DVD sets in Region 2. Oh, I don't care about Region 2. Uh, Tom and Jerry the Classic Collection is available in six double-sided DVDs issued in the... Oh, God, the United Kingdom. Jesus Christ. Uh, all right, as far as... They're world-renowned. Yes. Everybody loves them, regardless of country of origin, race, gender. The, uh, <laughs> as far as the notable shorts, uh, the following cartoons won the Academy Award Oscar for Best Short Subject Cartoons. Yankee Doodle Mouse, Mouse Trouble, Quiet Please, The Cat Concerto, Little Orphan, The Two Mouseketeers, and Johan Mouse. Oh, I never liked Johan Mouse. Never liked that cartoon. I don't remember Johan Mouse. It's basically um, this composer uh, actually owns Jerry, and uh-huh. every time the composer plays his piano, uh, Jerry will sing and dance. Or well, he will he, he will dance along with the music, and of course Tom tries to catch him, but uh, Jerry always stops as soon as the the composer stops playing the piano. I don't know, it was... Okay. These cartoons were nominated for the Academy Award for Best Short Subject Cartoon, but did not win. Puss Gets the Boot, The Night Before Christmas, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Mouse, that's a travesty, Hatch Up Your Trouble, Jerry's Cousin, and Touche Pussycat. That was the other one. With with Nibbles, with the the musketeer thing. Yeah, yeah. He's like in the... um, in the, in, in the sewer and Tom lands on the thing he's like he sticks his little sword in his ass touche yes. <laughs> tabs him several times yes uh, <laughs> as far as the television shows uh, there was the Tom and Jerry show ABC 1975 the Tom and Jerry uh, comedy show CBS 1980-1982 Tom and Jerry kids Fox, 1990-1993. And Tom and Jerry Tales, The CW, 2006-2008. Um, continue to ruin the legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> television specials, we had uh, a Yabba Dabba Do celebration, 50 Years of Hanna-Barbera, uh, that was on TNT in 1989. Tom and Jerry, The Mansion Cat, Cartoon Network 2000. Uh, theatrical films, we mentioned Tom and Jerry the Movie, uh, 
And then, oh, wait. Uh, there's also Tom and Jerry, Warner Brothers Family Entertainment, TBA. Which oh, hasn't come out yet. It, I saw something about it. It was uh, slated to be out uh, 2012, I think. You know they're going to come out with some, like, uh, live-action yeah. CGI crap uh, closely akin to uh, Heathcliff or Garfield. Garfield. I wouldn't mind if it was CGI if it was, like, the TMNT movie. That would be kind of cool. To see them kind of, like, 3D. Oh, yeah. It would be kind of cool. I know it's kind of going against type, but... uh, the direct-to-video films. Now, I have one of these. Uh, there are four of them. Tom and Jerry and the Magic Ring. I, I've seen this on HBO multiple times. I need to find this on DVD. I like that one. That was pretty cool. You have Blast Off to Mars, The Fast and the Furry, and Shiver Me Whiskers. <laughs> A take on the uh, the recent Disney uh, Pirates, uh, yes. Pirates of the Caribbean success. Yes. And, of course, the Fast and the Furry was a takeoff of uh, Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Uh, I have Fast and the Furry. With, and with Vin Diesel as Butch. <laughs> wow. Um, well, no, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have. I would think it would be cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I have the Fast and the Furry, and one of the reasons... I don't know. I, I just like it because, it's again, it's them... It's more of, you know, they're not really updated. They're almost taken back to their classic um, their classic look uh, as far as the 1940s type stuff. Um, it, it's just really super cool. Uh, one of the things that I noticed about this when I was watching the, um, the Tom and Jerry uh, Chuck Jones collection, uh, I noticed in a lot of the water episodes or the, or the episodes that happen where they're on the docks, Tom always gets chased or eaten by sharks. Okay. Well, in the Fast and the Fury, there's a leg of the great or the uh, the amazing super race um, that takes place underwater from Antarctica to Australia, and there are three sharks that end up chasing Tom in his car. Of course. <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's a good little flick. I I, I don't know. Again, this is me shaking my I head. I know, it's not the classic Tom and Jerry. I get it, I know. But it's not a total butchering. It's not the Gene Deitch era, thank God for that. Um, so, yes. Um, and then, of course, you have Tom and Jerry, A Nutcracker Tale, Warner Home Video, 2007. Uh, so we're going to go into the... Well, we're going to go into the closing, but we're going to go into final thoughts. Um, what are your final thoughts on Tom and Jerry, sir? Uh, I, I kind of got to reiterate that, that uh, you know, my favorite stuff was the early 1940s uh, shorts where they were just truly vicious to each other. Um, you know, occasionally coming to each other's aid, but for the most part just, what evil things can I do to you uh, that'll, that'll look good in animation? And we really haven't seen any of that in the last, you know, 30 years. Uh, with the exception of Itchy and Scratchy on The Simpsons. Yeah. And they take it to a whole new level. Oh, God, like, yes. You know, this, this is where you do see the blood, and you do see truly horrific things happening uh, to these characters that, and doing them to each other. Yes, exactly. Uh, with, I mean, it's like, uh, uh, let's say, you know, 30 years of uh, Friday the 13th all wrapped in, in the one. <laughs> in, 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 
turned into a cat and mouse game. Yes. You know, it's just just horrible, horrible things happening to uh, in there. Uh, and, and to be honest, I like that a lot more than than I would ever like Tom and Jerry Tales. Oh, I I I, I do Jerry not endorse. Uh, uh, first of all, hold on. Tom and Jerry Kids was okay. Wasn't the best. I'm not saying that. But Tom and Jerry Tales, I. I don't even want to mention it on this show. <laughs> I, but Tom and Jerry Kids, I did like that because I grew up with that, again, watching with the Muppet Babies and a pup named Scooby-Doo and stuff like that. That yeah. one was okay. So you will defend that. But what I'm saying is that if I could get all of the itchy and scratchy shorts, you know, and they're only a minute, maybe less than a minute long for the most part, but uh, over 20 years of The Simpsons gathering up all the itchy and scratchy bits and putting them on one CD... I would buy that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, I <laughs> need to bring this up before we go into the outro here. Um, you made a comment to me about a week and a half ago saying that it's highly impossible that I will get to episode 100 of Tooncast, and you said I should stop it at 75. No, it's improbable. Well, I, I, I prove you wrong, sir. I did get up to episode... Actually, episode 100 will be Tooncast A Look Back. It'll be basically looking back on the previous 99 episodes, and hopefully I can get some of the guest hosts that are going to be guest hosting with me throughout the show's uh, span. Of course, that's not going to happen for another two years. Um, well, hopefully, episodes 75 through 100, or 99, I should say, won't be complete crap. But, uh... <laughs> Excuse me! Hold on! Are you meaning complete crap as far as audio quality or content? Because we've covered a lot of good shows on this show! Well, what I'm saying, though, is that 75 good ideas is still 75 really good ideas and that's what you had and then you said oh well I've somehow came up with 100 now no 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 I haven't actually seen the list so I can't say alright well we're gonna put this to bed right freaking now I'm just saying you know, regardless, it's still two years away, and we know that things change. Over no. You may decide there's another podcast you'd rather invest time in, and this one is, is a little long in the tooth after 50-odd episodes, and you might want to put it to bed early. We, we don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, that could be a year's off. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Well, when I stick to something, I stick to something. was supposed to be how many episodes? Shut up. Uh, yeah. Shut up. It was supposed to be 24 episodes. That was meant, except that file there. <laughs> Don't even, just don't even laugh, just accept the file. Yeah, exactly. That's fine, whatever. Because it's, it's been updated anyway. Anyways, um, back to my point, back on your point about Itchy and Scratchy. Itchy and Scratchy will have a dedicated spot in episode 80. Episode 80 will be all about the symptoms. So literally we have the complete tune cast schedule up through uh, twenty uh, summer of 2011, and we literally have, oh, God, it looks like about six months' worth of Disney animation. You are killing me, sir. You are bitching about classic Disney movies? Come on. I picked out some of the best ones, and they're some of my most favorite ones because they're the ones See, that I, I grew up with. I understand if you had some Disney movies sprinkled 
here they'd be like here's a Disney movie for 30 number 30 here's a Disney movie for number 42 and here's a Disney movie for 65 but to have uh, two dozen Disney movies in a row that's, that's a bit much and then we have Static Shock and the Zeta Project and Batman Beyond at the, the 95, 96, and 97 Hey, 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 that's... That, oh, okay, first of all, Static Shock is good. Batman Beyond is awesome. The Zeta Project sucks Devastator Balls. That is the worst animated show I, I, ever. I thought it was kind of... That was a spinoff of Batman Beyond. It is, but... Zeta and Stat... Uh, okay, we're getting on a whole other yeah, tangent. Yeah. I will talk okay, to you well, about this off the air. I'm looking at the list. And I'm what it comes down to, I proved you no, wrong. I'm looking at the list, and first of all, you've got two dozen Disney animation movies that kind of look like an afterthought to me, because it's two dozen... I mean, you might as well, as of episode 80, change the name to the, the Disney Animation Podcast, because that's been looking like... No! Just no, no, no. And, and uh, sprinkle these out. No, because the whole point is a spotlight, meaning a series of films. A series of Disney films that I grew up with. That's the whole point. And they're only there for, what, like you said, 12 episodes, and then it starts the DCAU spotlight to finish it out. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. For episode 67, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I I like that show. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll be looking forward to that in September we'll of 2010. Yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, we'll suffer through the Gummy Bears episode. Shut Hound up. I don't, Teddy I, oh, shut up. Come on, man. Oh, wait a minute. We have Clerks Uncensored. February. Yes, that, yeah, that is the Those only awesome. time that I, that I broke my rule as far as the time restraint because Clerks Uncensored came out in 2000. Yeah. And generally, Tooncast is not supposed to go past 1999. This is one of my favorite movies, and the animated series was really yeah. awesome. Yes. So, anyway. Right, so, to digress, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm happy that you came up with 100 episodes. Uh, I think they could be... Re- but you're still going to scrutinize it because you think it could be different, and it, you think it could be more sprinkled around and blah, I blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm just... I'm just I know you are. But, you know, when you actually record 100 episodes, I'll give you a cookie. <laughs> no, you'll give me that Megatron. Thank you for joining us here on Timcast. There are several ways to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show. The first is you can visit www.geekcastradio.com and find all the other GCRN podcasts there. The second is you can stop by predaconempire.com slash cafe spark. Those are our forums. The third is you can leave the show feedback on iTunes. Uh, thank you for doing that so far. Please keep doing it. The fourth is you can visit www.earth-2.net uh, forums and find um, our threads for the shows in the self-promotion section. You can also check out their website. They have a really cool geek culture website. The fifth is the email address, which is gcrntooncast at gmail.com. We now have a voicemail line. Call us and leave us your thoughts on each episode. Be sure to say which show you're leaving the message for and your name. The number is 502-526-5821. You can follow us on Twitter. The show name there is GCR and Tooncast. Mine is TFG and Mike. And what is your Twitter? Uh, Pecan Court Michael. It's P E C A N C T M I C H A E L. Mickey Mouse. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Tooncast, and wish that you'll join 
Steve Snowball Sailor from This Week in Geek and myself next week when we will be reminiscing on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. This will be a Tooncast M-Wire crossover, meaning that the uh, episode will be featured on both feeds, seeing as how it is live action and animation. For now, I am TFG1 Mike, Mike with... Wilson. Saying the mortal words of Optimus Prime, transform and roll out, and thank you for listening. Until next time. Once was a boy, an albino, I'm told, who possessed the power of pen pusher gold. He had many stories, all short and exciting, but nobody knew, and so he began writing. He sat there all summer and skillfully sought to perfectly ponder and polish each plot. The settings were set, all the characters cast, his fingers were flying and flailing so fast, and soon the young man with the snowy complexion quickly concocted the caffeine collection. He smiled, satisfied with his clever creation. Oh, the things that did pour from his imagination. Stories of pirates and future police, of devils and bullies, and a twist press release. Fantasy, mystery, both are included. Comedy, action, no genre excluded. You say to yourself, it's too good to be true, but author Steve Saylor would not lie to you. An audiobook so you don't have to read. And hey, $15 is all that you need. From the author of the podcast novel, Black Shadow, Steve Saylor presents The Caffeine Collection. A dynamic audiobook collection of short stories presented by ringtonefeeder.com and stevesailor.net. Steve presents a genre mashup of multiple stories for your ears. I have to be on caffeine to write all this. Steve Saylor presents the Caffeine Collection on sale October 28, 2009. So mark this day down so you will not forget. For more information, stevesailor.net.